Today we're going to be talking about Raptors game summary from their win over the Pacers. This was a really, really exciting game. If you didn't get to catch it, I would really recommend that you go watch that game. It's great to see Toronto getting some some bench rotation guys in the play, you know, from DeAndre Bembry to basically anyone on the roster. It seemed like they were getting minutes, except, of course, Matt Thomas. You know, Nick Nurse is not going to play him, but right off the bat, it felt like Norm was really forcing it in this game, you know. A guy like OG Ananobi was shooting well from three. You got to feed him the ball a little more. It felt like Norm was really pushing, trying to be aggressive, making good effort. However, it wasn't really translating directly into great plays. But on the Pacers end, you know, we saw Sabonis playing really well. He was dishing the ball. Uh, Wasn't necessarily scoring at a high rate really early in this game, but he was moving the ball around. He had that big body of Baines that he was playing against. He was kind of giving him some trouble. Toronto was throwing doubles at him constantly as well. And Aaron Baines, a quick shout out to him because he dropped seven points on five of nine shooting. He had seven boards. So a really good Baines game. This is the kind of player that he can be. You know, we came in with this unrealistic expectation that he'd be the next Serge Ibaka, but this is more the type of player we can expect from here around a little bit. You know, like it's not going to be like this every single game. But I think a big function of this is the Raptors' ball movement. They had five assists on their first six buckets in the first quarter. It was a really back-and-forth game right off the bat. Both teams are really packing the paint and trying to make the other team outshoot them. Toronto was shooting really, really well in this game. They shot 6 of 8 from 3 in the opening quarter. For me, this was a bad sign that maybe this is going to slow down considering the game was tied at 24 at this point. And Stanley Johnson was the only starter in to end the quarter, and we saw a mini run by the Indiana Pacers that led to a tie game, and it was really a wild finish to that first quarter. A lot of sloppy play, a lot of, you know, younger players out there in the Raptors rotation, but coming off the bench, you know, to start that second quarter, the bench unit was really fun to watch. You know, these guys are so high energy. They just want to get minutes and play the best basketball they can, Utah Watanabe, big shout out to him. He only shot one of seven in this game, but he still played a huge role in Toronto trying to like just get minutes out of that small forward, power forward position. He was right in there, you know, trying to guard a guy like Sabonis, trying to get plays. And he was really, really impactful defensively on the wings as well. A few times where he's matched up on one of the Holiday brothers. I honestly can't differentiate the two of them, but... He was being guarded by one of them, and on defense, he was, like, staying in front of them really well. He had a lot of active plays. The Raptors, you know, through that second quarter were still doubling Sabonis, and it felt like uh, Watanabe was, like, in the NBA Finals. That's the kind of effort he was putting out there. He was hyping his team up. He was, like, flexing when, you know, he would get, like, a steal or an offensive foul was called, and... Toronto also, what kept them alive early in that second quarter was their offensive rebounding. We saw Bembry grab an offensive rebound. We saw Boucher. This led to five points converted because Bembry kicked it for a three and Boucher just put it back in. And these are the kind of plays we want against a team like the Pacers, who are a big team. Like Sabonis is your four and he's grabbing like 10, 20 rebounds a game. So for Toronto, they really, really had to get, you know, they're rebounding up to par with this team, considering that that's one of the things that they're a solid team at doing. 
Obviously, they're a great defensive team, but Toronto's defense was better in the first half specifically. They held them to only 47 points in the half, and in the second quarter, they shot 23%. So Toronto was really not letting them get into their groove, and a lot of that was OG and Nobi getting steals, really keeping them guessing on that end of the floor. They were getting bailed out a little bit by the refs too. At the end of that second quarter, you know, there's a bunch of calls. They're hitting free throws, and that kind of kept the game at bay. There, The lead didn't quite stack up to huge numbers because they were getting a few ticky-tack calls at the end of that second quarter. But OJ and Anubi, absolutely balling. 17 points on 5 of 10 shooting in that first half of the game and also 5 steals. He didn't have any in the second half, but he was really showcasing the full array of what he can be. He's got that all-defensive caliber type player and this kind of takes me to my first key takeaway of this game which is OJ Anobi should be an all-defensive player this season and there's no question about that in my mind his ability to get steals like five steals in the game he's averaging over two steals per game which puts him top three in the NBA right now and his defensive awareness off ball especially and even on ball he's a great defender can defend bigger guys can defend smaller guys he's kind of a mini Kawhi Leonard in that way and then offensively, he was showcasing why he has so much potential for Toronto. You know, we're seeing flashes of of stardom here with him. You know, 17 points, like I said, in that first half. He finished with 30, gave a consistent output for Toronto, and was their number one scoring option against the two-seed Pacers. Let's not forget that they're a really, really good team. Obviously, they're missing Karis Levert, who they recently acquired for Victor Oladipo, so they're a little bit short in terms of their wing player depth but you know they have all these players out there and yeah as for Watanabe I I just really want to keep shouting this guy out because he was playing amazing Uh, but that kind of ties out my my notes here for the second second quarter in the first half here let's move to the third quarter Um, Toronto's defense continued to roll you know they're playing really good Norm threw down a massive dunk, like a huge dunk. Um, just tomahawked that baby down. I love, you know, Norm dunks. He's the best dunker on the Raptors. I love when you see him just throw something down. Uh, OG was bullying Sabonis off the dribble. There was one play where uh, he kind of like had him on him. And, you know, you'd think maybe he'd try and, and dribble around him or get by him. But he just tried to muscle through him. And he literally just bodied him and kind of just flipped up a little shot that banked in. So, you know, OG was just showing that he's got that strength, you know, on a guy who's 6'11", 240. Uh, that was pretty impressive to me. And the Raptors bench unit really struggled on both ends down the stretch of the third. And the game was one possession going into the fourth because of a 13-2 run down the stretch. Uh, the one question I have for Nick Nurse is why was OG and Van Vliet on the bench for this stretch. Uh, obviously, this was a short period of time, only a couple minutes, but their offense was super stagnant with the players that were out there. You need either OG, especially with Siakam and Lowry out, you need either OG or Van Vliet, who are your two best players in this game. Up to this point, they've got to put one of those two guys out there to help run the offense and you know just give a steady, poised hand out there when you need a bucket they just couldn't get a bucket as I said they scored two points down the stretch and the Pacers scored 13 which really cut into the lead and I just was questioning Nick Nurse there but at the start of the fourth quarter he came out and was like yeah you know what I'm not doing that and 
Fourth quarter was really exciting in this game. Early in the fourth, you know, there's about eight minutes left. Van Vliet hit a couple big threes to give Toronto an eight-point lead. Powell had a poster on Miles Turner, which was a nasty dunk. Check out the Instagram. I'm pretty sure I have that out there. And honestly, the one guy who surprised me was Miles Turner had 13 points down the stretch of this game. He was hitting, he was banking in threes. He was just hitting threes all over the place. I was like, what is happening? Like, if this guy beats us, man, that'd be disappointing. Well, like, if Sabonis beats you, Brogdon beats you, all right, I'm cool with that. They're both all-star caliber players. If Miles Turner beats you, it's like, oh, my God, are you serious? But anyway, um, the one thing I was also thinking down the stretch is Toronto's left a lot of points out there on the free throw line. They were not shooting very well from, from the stripe, despite... You know, they didn't get a lot of opportunities there, but when they did, they weren't capitalizing. So, at the end of the day, I'm throwing the blame on our team if we lose that because, you know, you've got to hit your free throws. It's very frustrating when you see them missing half of their free throws or 40% of their free throws. It's just a very frustrating thing when you should be hitting 80-plus percent of those. But, yeah, that's the one thing I was thinking about. And then down the stretch, we all know what happened. Um, Toronto was up, I want to say, two points down the stretch of that game. And um, basically what happened was we saw Malcolm Brogdon isolate on Fred Van Vliet. You know, he was trying to dribble around and went to his left hand, tried crossing back over. Van Vliet snagged it. Ball went flying out to Miles Turner with like a second left on the shot clock. And the shot clock wound down. He just threw up like a, a two-hand overhand shot like this. And, you know, the, there's a shot clock violation. That essentially sealed the game with, you know, under 15 seconds left on on the game clock in the fourth quarter, and then Toronto hits a couple free throws, uh, puts them up. I guess they would have been up 103-102, so they're up one point with the hand and with the ball in Brogdon's hand. Toronto goes down, hits a couple clutch free throws, makes it a three-point game, and you know they try and dub it down low to Sabonis, try and get a quick you know two for one, and essentially what happens is they they toss it up, and we saw Boucher block him. And then we saw Stanley Johnson block him too. And it was just like, yep, that's the kind of game it's been. Toronto's been a defensive juggernaut. And even though they struggled offensively in the second half, they really came through down the stretch of that fourth quarter. So here are my three key takeaways. I post an article on this already. The next man up mentality of the Toronto Raptors. This is an amazing feature of a team. You know, we know Toronto's always had a deep bench. Remember the bench mob back in, you know, 2015, 2016 all those years they basically had a stacked up bench that was atop the NBA in terms of production and we haven't really seen that the last few years in 2019 the Raptors bench was somewhat depleted you know OG uh, had the uh, whatever it was called the appendix his appendix burst and he was out for the remainder of the postseason but you know you had Van Vliet and Ibaka which is still a pretty stacked bench coming up but Last year, Toronto had some reliable guys. You know, when injuries came around, Terrence Davis came out. But Nick Nurse hasn't really relied on that bench all so much this year. It's felt like there's a shortened rotation. It feels like he trusts seven guys, and that's all he's willing to play. But, you know, this was a showcase of Toronto's a next-man-up team. You know, if guys are injured, our two best players are injured, these guys are going to come out, they're going to play, and they're going to help you secure wins. Another one is... Defense wins games. Toronto's defense, when they're locked in, is atop the NBA. One of the best. Definitely top five. And, you know, this is like 
one of the things they should be able to do. You've got OG Anobi on the wing. You've got Van Vliet, who is well-known for partially locking up as much as you can, Steph Curry in the NBA Finals. You've got all these guys, Kyle Lowry, who's an all-defense caliber guard. And this team all around just screams defensive potential. Obviously, Siakam as well. And these were two of the guys who weren't even there, and Toronto held the Pacers to 102 points and really showcased that their defense is what they're going to have to rely on if they want to stack up wins and, you know, get back into that top six race in the Eastern Conference. The next thing is OG and Obi for all defensive team. I think he definitely deserves this. He's third in the NBA in steals, like I said. He should definitely be in the conversation. Um, I already talked about this in the middle of it, but anyway, Toronto is going to be playing the the Pacers again tonight, a.k.a. They're playing on a back-to-back, so they got to play them again, and they're going to come out strong. They just lost to a shorthanded Raptors team. We saw what happened when Toronto lost to Miami. They were angry. They came back, and they basically blew them out by 20 despite all the close encounters they had. So Toronto's really going to have to lock it in on defense again because they're going to come out better in this game and look for revenge. And I just think that Toronto needs this win. You know, you're sitting at... Seven and nine. You after going two and eight, you're now approaching five hundred again, and essentially a game back of that eight seed. They've got to keep pushing, and I think this is an essential win because then you've got the Bucks, and you've got a hard, basically a pretty hard road trip coming up. They play like eleven of their next thirteen games on the road, and even when you're home, you're still on the road in a way, you know, because you're not in Toronto. On the second night of the back to back, the Toronto Raptors. Lose of the Pacers, 129-114. They really struggled today on the defensive end. And they're just letting them get whatever they want without DeMontis Sabonis in the lineup after getting injured. I think they said a left knee contusion at the end of the first quarter. As a Raptors fan, you thought, you know, Toronto would storm back in this game and get the win. Obviously, they had Kyle Lowry back in the lineup. So there's a lot of optimism. From that front, even though Lowry didn't look 100% okay today, you know, coming off that toe infection. He looked a little slow. Maybe the thought of, you know, he's 14 points away from 10,000 points as a career Raptor got in his head a little bit too. But all in all, the Raptors offensively played a solid game, scoring 114 points. They shot 37% from three. They played an okay game overall. However, their... Big downfall in this game was their inability to get stops. And down the stretch, that got exacerbated by the foul calling. And the Indiana Pacers shot 45 free throws to Toronto's 27. 45 free throws, that's a lot. Like, that is not a small amount. That is a pretty thick amount of free throws. And, you know, at the end of the day, that can be... A huge reason why you end up losing by 15 points is shooting an extra 20, sorry, 18 free throws to be exact. And Toronto didn't quite get the contributions that they wanted from their lineup down the roster. The bench only scored 34 points. Boucher led with 9 and Watanabe also had 9 as well, so they played okay. Chris Boucher shot 3 of 12 though. You know, he had a pretty unimpactful game, which is surprising for him considering how Goody's been inconsistent. He's been basically every game this season up until this back-to-back here. OG and Obi, after dropping 30, slid back down to 10 points on 4 of 8 shooting. Just didn't shoot a lot, didn't look aggressive. Obviously, 
only ended up playing 28 minutes because he took that big elbow to the face. But the only people who actually had a really good game were Van Vliet and Powell, both dropping over 20 points per, twenty points on the night. Powell shot 8 of 19. He had 6 boards, 6 assists. He was really the secondary ball handler for Toronto. Lowry only had 1 assist on 2 of 11 shooting in 33 minutes. He didn't look like Lowry, we know. So Powell came in as that secondary ball handler, really moved the ball around, helped get guys involved, and kept Toronto in this game because it could have been a blowout a lot earlier in this game, especially with the way Brogdon was playing. He had 36 points, 9 assists, 7 boards. Big shout out to him. He balled out. And he's one of my favorite players, 50-40-90 kind of guy. 10 of 17 from the field. That's just such a classic Brogdon gain after shooting 4 or 5 of 22 last night against Van Vliet coming out and absolutely roasting Toronto in that high pick and roll. Boucher couldn't cover him. Baines definitely couldn't cover him. Jeremy Lamb came off the bench, scored 22 points, grabbed 7 boards, shot 7 of 12 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. I think as a Raptors fan, you're not surprised by this. Jeremy Lamb tends to destroy Toronto all the time yeah the officiating was crazy though I think that's the big takeaway for me um yeah as a Raptors fan you know this this game doesn't hold a lot of weight to me because there's no Siakam no um obviously no Sabonis kind of cancels that out but Lowry didn't really look 100% so from that perspective I just think you know, this was more of a gutsy win by Indiana than it was um, a disdain to Toronto. You know, it was just an off night after pulling out a tough win against Indiana the night before. And they came out, they knew they had to win this. And they gave it to Toronto all game. Really were aggressive. That's part of the reason they got a lot more free throws where they were really aggressive in the paint. Miles Turner was a tough guard for Chris Boucher down the stretch. He really couldn't stop him when he got down low. He would put up a little flick shot, to would go in, he would back him down and Either you get the bucket or he'd get the free throws. Another big takeaway from this game is, you know, I think uh, when you look down the roster, Toronto's depth is very inconsistent. Terrence Davis played a few minutes, had a few turnovers, and it's kind of concerning when you see that the depth is inconsistent. Even the starters are inconsistent, right? OG with only 10 points. Baines, you know, you might get something out of him. You might not. This is going to be a concern down the stretch of this regular season because you don't know who's going to show up on a given night. And that lack of continuity or consistency is really not going to be a good recipe when the playoffs come around for the Toronto Raptors. If they do, you know, match up against this Pacers team or some other team, if they're not consistent in their top seven rotation and, you know, maybe that takes time to figure out who's in that rotation. I think we know who the starting five is and I think we know that Boucher's got to be in the mix as well. So we've got six guys in our rotation. If you exclude Baines as the starter because maybe Toronto makes a move, upgrades at that position and then, you know, this team looks a lot different, but... To me, Toronto still shows instances where, you know, they're sloppy today. They had obviously a lot of fouls. That's not really their fault necessarily, but the Pacers came out and were really aggressive. Only 12 turnovers, but they were really, really sloppy early in the game. I thought 
that it just seemed like they had more turnovers than they really did. And a couple of highlight plays. Stanley Johnson had a nasty block right off the backboard. Chris Boucher had a nasty block right off the backboard. And Sabonis was 0-2 with three points when OG was guarding him until he got a second foul. And then in the remainder of the first quarter, he scored eight points on 3-3 shooting. Really opened up the game to a big lead for Sabonis and the Pacers. So OG and Obi's defense is going to be integral for Toronto throughout the playoffs, especially on the wing as a guy who can guard the four or guard, you know, a shooting guard or even a point guard potentially. He's going to be a really dynamic and essential player for Toronto if they want to make it far this year just because he's an all-defensive caliber player. Another thing, the Raptors were giving up a lot of open threes. Defense was collapsing a lot. The Pacers would potentially get a second-chance opportunity, and they would just find an open guy, especially in the corners, whether it was like TJ McConnell or Jeremy Lamb or any of those guys, and they would just put up these shots and just get buckets on the Toronto Raptors. So not a huge takeaway from this game, just a few little things. We'll see if Toronto can bounce back against the Milwaukee Bucks. This is going to be a real test, you know, coming off a loss. Potentially you'll be fully healthy if Siakam is ready to go. Toronto's got to really step it up for this game. But thanks a lot for listening. I will catch you guys on the next one.